It is a Phoenix Magazine Arizona craft beer review podcast with me, Matt, and my co-host, Johan, on along in a moment. This week's episode, we have on location at Ren House Brewing with co-owner Drew Poole. Really fun chat with Drew, talking about uh, Ren House, now seven years old as a brewery. It's grown to earn local, national, and international acclaim. Drew talks about some of his favorite awards that uh, Red House has won over the years. Plus, we get a little bit of a sneak peek at a fun collab that he's got planned and uh, the new beer hall coming up uh, opening soon in Ahwatukee. So we hope you enjoy this episode of the Beer Review Podcast with Drew Poole from Red House. Welcome to the Phoenix Magazine Beer Review Podcast channel. It's Johan here again with you, and I'm Matt. And Johan, um, it's a good day to drink because it is election day. I don't know about you, but we're not I like going to drink there, heavily. We're not going to talk about who we like to vote for, but it's a night where I like to drink heavily. And what better place to do it than uh, starting, at least? And we're at Ren House here in the afternoon yeah. with uh, Drew Poole, one of the uh, co-founders of this wonderful brewery here on 24th Street and just north of McDowell. Drew, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you having us. Um, where I want to start, we we talk a lot about um, awards on our beer review podcast, sure. and you guys claimed some recent ones at our uh, Arizona Craft Beer Awards recently. Yeah. Um, talk about that and what what kind of the importance of having local awards here in Arizona for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I mean, so for us, you know, awards are super important, right? I mean, not only does it show you know, everybody, your surrounding community about your quality and how good you make your product. But also, I think a lot of the other awards about, you know, like we were talking about can art or even um, just your place in the community as a great tap room or a great kind of local hangout spot. Um, all those things combined really amplify your business a lot. So uh, we, we love every sort of award that we can win. Do you have a favorite that you've won over the years? Yeah, you know, I would say our, our most favorite award is definitely the Great American Beer Festival Awards, um, just because they're, you know, amongst our peers, all the breweries in the country, um, thousands of breweries um, submit beers for that competition. And it's really hard to make it to the final table, and it's really hard to actually win something. Um, so we've been fortunate enough to win a gold in both Hazy IPA for Spellbinder, and this last year, or this year, we won a gold for Fest Beer. Um, our Oktoberfest lager, and then uh, we also won a Valley beer a couple of years ago. So those are those are definitely our favorites. And you guys have um, all kinds. I mean, you, you submitted and won awards in Australia, right? Earlier this yeah. year, and like the there's a pro am that what they, that they do with um, Ash, the Arizona Society of Home Brewers. I know those are yeah. those are Johan's guys, right? You you just recently worked with them. Yes, I just did my first homebrew uh, on Sunday. Nice. And the day before, Ash had a a brew day at their clubhouse and so i went and kind of got initiated into their yeah. their group of i was the youngest by about 20 years uh <laughs> so it was just fun to just kind of glean all this wisdom off of these yeah old-timer brewer guys that have been doing it for so long and i think so. it's one of the biggest or the biggest home brewer club in the country is, is it? it really um and then we yeah we just won in the pro-am uh keller beer won the you know first place or whatever that's with, awesome uh, one of the homebrewers. So it's always fun to think about these guys. These are, you know, these guys are older, but they still have a clubhouse. You know, it's, that's, that's, it always seems kind of fun to me. And it's when exactly what that. you would expect. Right. It's like 
one room with a bunch of couches in it and mismatched furniture yeah and then like a tap like a bunch of taps and another room and then one room full of like empty kegs and bottles that they all just kind of use and then yeah. another room full of gear that they've kind of donated to sell and another right. room like just, just a lot of just, experimentation yeah just like held together by ideas. posters and tacks in some places yeah, yeah just a bunch of homemade stuff too like homemade beer uh like brewing supplies which are hilarious like kegs that have been turned into mash tons and oh, brew yeah. and like boil kettles and stuff for sure and so someone steal just, yeah. a steal right yeah it's <laughs> it's it's super fun it's a fun group of guys too they're all just super welcoming i showed up and and was like hey you know a couple of them recognized me from the beer festival and but i was like yeah, i'm brewing my first homebrew tomorrow so i just came to learn and so they were all explaining everything to me and kind of like handing me the paddle and like you mix while i pour the grain in and then another nice. guy was like you do this and help me with this yeah like, it's it's a super fun hands-on it's i mean if you like cooking you like brewing it's yeah. just like really involving yeah um, and then the only challenge is you have to sit and wait and see sure how your experiment <laughs> yeah. turned out a few weeks and Sometimes been, it's good, sometimes it's not. I've been freaking out about uh, checking my, my little airlock. Like, is right. it bubbling yet? Is it bubbling right. yet? So, right. Sp I guess speaking of which, kind of how did you get started in this whole industry? And did yeah. you start as a home brewer or? So I did. Well, I homebrewed a little bit and it was a spectacular failure for sure in my condo trying to like homebrew my first batch of beer. But um, yeah, I mean, I've always been super passionate about beer. I'm, I'm from the Valley, but um, growing up, uh, I kind of decided I was going to be a pilot as my career. So I, I got into flying, was going to ASU um, and pursuing that. And then one thing led to another, didn't really work out. It wasn't like something I wanted to spend my whole life on. Um, so my wife and I were discussing what do I want to do. So I applied to UC Davis Brewing School. Um, and as a backup, I applied to business school um, at Thunderbird and said, you know, okay, we'll make a decision depending on where I get in. I, I happened to get into both. So I decided to go to business school, um, got a job at Intel, moved up to Portland, Oregon, um, found a lot of great brewery owners up there, uh, like Alameda, Burnside, um, Breakside, a lot of the kind of up and coming breweries. I love probably, Breakside. Yeah, 10 years ago. Yeah. And it was, it was crazy. It was not only just like, they would open their doors and say, Hey, what do you want to know? Do you want to look at my books? Do you want to talk about, you know, P and L? Do you want to talk about, you know, how to hire staff, how to brew beers, like you name it, uh, which was super inspiring. And, and I thought, um, you know, as a Phoenician, I want to come back to Phoenix and start a family. And I want to take that goodness that was up in Portland and, and bring it to Phoenix. So, uh, you know, I modeled a lot of our concept off of uh, Alameda Brewing Company and their sort of small tap room. Yeah, I'm I'm from that area. Yeah. I grew up outside of Portland. This has a very Portland feel. Yeah. Um so, for yeah. sure. And then, you know, of course, I definitely didn't do this myself. So my business partner, uh, Bill Hammond, uh, we still work at Intel together. He kind of brought the brains to the operation and said, Okay, if we're really gonna run a business, like he's gonna handle the finances, the accounting, the you know, the operations. And then, you know, Preston actually grew up with my wife here in Phoenix. Um and he was looking for a brewing gig. He was at Big Sky in Montana and also looking to come back to Phoenix. Uh, so it all kind of just timing worked out and we brought him on and uh, yeah, it's been growing ever since. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I know that ever since I was aware of you guys, uh, 
I've heard nothing but good things about the beer. So you're definitely, you quickly became a mainstay, I think, within the. Yeah, community. for sure. So now you're seven years old and um, as a brewery and a couple of years ago, you acquired well, the, the brewery seven years yes. old. He's, he's <laughs> clearly a little yeah, older. A little older. Yeah. That, that's why I meant to say, yeah, the brewery. Um, Drew is tw- over 21 and he's drinking. What are you drinking, by the way? Uh, I'm drinking Pondo. Pondo, cream yeah, cream ale. And that's your, what you're having that's there? Also okay. what I'm drinking. I'm having yeah. a Las Frescas. Um, perfect sour. The um, we were talking about uh, so you, you acquired a couple years ago the big production facility facility up in Prescott, yep. and since then I remember seeing a, a a list on some world news report somewhere that you were like third of American breweries in growth oh, in the right. last year or yeah. something like percentage that. Percentage wise, yeah, percentage wise. Yeah. So was that always kind of the goal with Renhouse to build and grow and distribute and essentially try to be in every bar restaurant or everyone's fridge? You know, it wasn't necessarily the goal. I would say Bill and I are very business minded in the sense that we want to create a successful company. Um, And what I've learned as part of the small business is to create a successful company, you have to have really great employees. And part of having really great employees is is giving them growth opportunities. And to actually have growth opportunities, you need to grow as a business. Sure. So it's like this, like, you know, uh, snowball effect of, you know, the reason you grow isn't just to get big and make money. You grow to grow your employees and you grow to offer new opportunities to, like, awesome people, right? Um, so that's the approach we've taken. And we grow to where we grow, right? There's no, like, set target or anything like that. Um, we were planning for years to open a, a bigger production facility because we're kind of maxed out at 2,000 barrels here. Sure. Um, which, you know, it's a good size, but um, it's basically limited to this tap room and probably, you know, 50 accounts sort of thing. Um, so we were maxed out and we would get asks and requests all the time, especially from some of the larger restaurant chains like Fox or Upward Projects or genuine concepts like, hey, we want your beer. And we just have to say no because we don't have the capacity yep. to do it. So anyways, we were looking for spots. We found a lot around town um, that we were interested in. And then, uh, you know, the Prescott Brewing Company facility came up for sale. And we were like, oh, well, we weren't really planning on opening in Prescott, but um, it was a no-brainer. Well, it was a turnkey 8,000-barrel facility. So um, we took a jump and, and went after it. So now and that quadrupled your yeah. production capacity. Yeah, so we did almost 7,000 barrels last year. I think this year we'll do about eight. Um, and that allows again, you to do more experimental stuff too. Like you can take Spellbinder and create double Spellbinder or Spellbinder yeah. with Nelson or Rowaka and stuff like that, right? Yeah, so Prescott's basically become our facility that we make a lot of cores out of. So Spellbinder, Valley Beer, Big Spill, uh, those sorts of beers are made in Prescott and we're able to make a lot of them for distribution. And then down here we can experiment, right? Cause we still have our 10 barrel system and 2000 barrels with the capacity. We we've done, you know, bottle conditioned Saison's. We're doing a beer with Bacanora right now. Oh, that's that's amazing. a really crazy wild corn thing. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be All right, Our editor Craig's head's going to explode when he <laughs> yeah. hears that. Right? Yeah. 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 So that one's going to be crazy. We're going to release it uh, black Friday. Nice. Going to be available at the restaurant and limited bottles here. Um, yeah, so we You'll like, have to uh, let us give us some details so we can promote it. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like something. Yeah, Black Friday has always been a pretty big day for you guys with different yeah. releases, right? Uh, what what else do you guys have coming out this this Black Friday? Yeah, so I mean, Black Friday was always, you know, I think for a long time, especially from a craft beer point of view, 
like Bourbon County release, right? Bourbon County Black Friday, they kind of cornered the market, people lining up liquor stores for Bourbon County variants, which was cool. But, you know, when Budweiser buys them, it's kind of like they're almost like siphoning money out of Phoenix, right? Or any city across the country. Exactly. And you don't really need to do that anymore because they'll sit there on the shelf for a while after Black Friday. So there's really no need to do right. it anymore, right? Except the, the super limited variants and all sure. that stuff, right? Yep. But, so we wanted to, um, you know, obviously capitalize on that and say, hey, we can make great stouts. Why don't you come, you know, drink them here and buy something local that, you know, eight out of every $10 goes directly back into the local community sort of thing. Um, so that's an easy story to tell. And um, yeah, people, I think it's a good drinking season. You know, it's, yeah. um, the oh, holidays it's the are best, fun. It's the best day to, to go out and drink. <laughs> football. My, yeah. yeah, my favorite my favorite time of the year for drinking is the fall with the big stouts and the porters and the yeah. barley wines and all oh, the yeah. crazy stuff. And, and I like I like pumpkin beers. So. Yeah, same. I will, <laughs> I will shit for it, unabashedly <laughs> admit to loving pumpkin beers. Like, even, you know, if I, even if that means like a six-pack of pumpkin porter from right. Four Peaks, like sure. whatever it takes to totally to, do you guys have a pumpkin beer? Yeah. Pie Thief. So yeah. Pie Thief is yeah, they had that at the festival. Beer. Yeah. Okay. So we, it's normally a 10% wheat wine made with pumpkin and spices and then we barrel age it as well. And then this year we did Pie Thief social. So it's like a 5% version because feedback is, Hey, you know, we want to drink more than one of these. Yeah. Um, so yeah. To, Random question. You just said wheat wine, and I've seen that on a lot of kind of more high ABV. Is there is that all the only difference between a beer and a wheat wine is just the alcohol percentage? Or is yeah, there a so difference? I mean, think of it as like a barley wine, right? right? So like a barley wine is just a high alcohol, you know, 100% barley uh, beer uh, that's going to be over 10%, right? So a wheat wine is basically, you know, a similar concept. Just you use a majority of your, of your grain as, as malted wheat. Um, so you end up getting a lot more like caramel, bready sort of character yeah. than like a barley wine, which to me are deeper brown sugar type things. Right. Um, so it's just a fun kind of style to play with. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Renhouse beer? I mean, my my favorite, other than Fest beer, uh, if I were to say like go to year round beer would be Valley beer. I mean, yeah, um, that's definitely one that I always have in my fridge. You were mentioning earlier that uh, Valley beer won a gold. Valley beer won a silver. A silver in American lager. In American lagers, and tell those who don't know, like, what other beers are you going up against when yeah. you're when you're. So that was one that we were definitely, you know, shooting for the stars and that um, for years, you know, decades, basically, Paps Blue Ribbon, Coors Banquet, um, and all the other kind of big macro beers would always win the American lager category. And there's a reason, right? When you scale up lagers, um, it actually tastes better the bigger you go because um, for a number of reasons, you can dial in your filtering, you can dial in your lagering. Um, you can use a lot of fancier equipment to really kind of add clarity and then clean taste to your lagers. So we always see that as a gold standard, right? Coors Banquet always wins gold and American lager or PBR or whatever. So we're like, Hey, let's, let's try to make something that competes with the big boys. Um, and we won. So for us, that was, that was awesome, especially as, you know, people that drink a lot of Coors Light and uh, Coors, Coors original. Uh, yeah. It was pretty exciting. That's amazing. I mean, that's, that's, that's such a, Kind of a David and Goliath story. Yeah. You know, it's like this little bird. Drew versus Goliath. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, little used to be littler. Uh, so you're not, you know, you're not as little anymore. But like, still to go up against a 
an operation like cores or pbr like that's yeah that's awesome yeah it's so. exciting for sure and uh you gotta think you know a lot of these are they're tasting i think at the time when we entered valley beer there was 120 or 140 mm -hmm. entries and it's all you know blind judging for you know six rounds yeah. or whatever it is so it's really hard to have a super clean and crisp beer um, that sells itself apart from like, you know, a Coors or something. Sure, right? sure. So. Does that sort of success at awards um, give you guys a lot more, I guess, awareness or um, publicity uh, with fellow brewers outside of Arizona? Like, I mean, the list is like the collabs are like Bottle Logic, Riley, uh, Wiley Roots, Resident Culture, Carl Strauss, North Park that you've all just done like this year. Yeah. Were you like exposed to those uh, breweries before you started winning awards or because of that date, they mean, start to figure we you out? always, you know, fanboys and me especially, right? I'm like, uh, I was a beer trader, beer geek, mm -hmm. I would chase all the releases everywhere I go, you know, just it's around breweries like any new city, but so I was always, you know, in awe of those guys' business. Um, I think for me, one of my personal favorites is Wayfinder in Portland and then also Holy Mountain in Seattle. Those were two of my, like, you know, idols. Um, and, yeah, I think it opens a door. It start, starts a conversation. So when I, you know, email Colin from Holy Mountain, it's not like, who is this guy? It's like, oh, I've heard of Rin House. They right. make good beer. They were nationally recognized. They're always they on won. the stage at GABF, yeah, they right? they GABF award. <laughs> so it opens a door, you know, and then um, you start a conversation. You see if you if you click and you guys get all, get along and yeah. get on the same page, and then you start talking about making beers together. Is there, awesome. is there like a unicorn brewery out there that you're wanting to work with? <laughs> um, or that you haven't been to yet that you need to get to man um uh, i mean i i am pretty east coast illiterate i i've been to new york and we've uh, made some friends at like threes and finback and places mm -hmm. like that which are amazing i haven't been to any of the vermont places um, those so are those, the ones that always kind of like rank one and on yeah, a lot of people's uh, from, list, yeah. from an american point of view i think um you know one of my uh, dreams is coming true in a month. Um, I'll give it away now, a sneak peek. But so I, I get to go to Germany every year for work. Um, and I also try to make it there for a personal beer trip. Um, so we're collabing with a brewery in Berlin uh, in November and making a triple IPA with them. So that's, you know, Michael's always been, you asked about like international awards earlier. Sure. Um, I definitely want Rent House to be like, you know, almost like what superstition is to the meat world of like being internationally renowned mm -hmm. um, and building that really great brand that it's not just, Oh, it's a Phoenix brewery. It's like, Oh, I've heard of that brewery in Arizona and they make great, great yeah. beers. Right. I think one of the things that I love uh, about you guys though, is that like, even though you're expanding and even though you're doing all these, you know, these national and international things, like you still have this super cozy little tap room in phoenix and like you it still feels like a low like a neighborhood brewery yeah is there i mean do you do you think that you'll open more tap rooms or are you just gonna <laughs> stick with this little guy here and yeah um yeah so i i think i just a, a quick note on that i mean um for what how you said it my so i grew up in a small business household right my my dad is a dentist has been a dentist in valley for almost 40 years but uh, he, he was like a one-man shop at his office and the kids, we would go down there and help him out and stuff. But he would, you know, my mom would answer the phone calls, make appointments. He would greet the patients and like 
be the main guy at his dental office. And I think that instilled in me that this like open door policy where, yeah, we, we are truly local and people text me, Instagram me, uh, Facebook message me all day, every day. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not some like big important person that I don't have time to respond to them. But, you know, I, I'm going to listen to them, you know, answer their question and, and try to like give them a good experience. Right. Because I think that's what local businesses are all about. You hit this inflection point where it's like, oh, you know, now you can't go, you know, pick up the phone and call, I don't know, Bianco or somebody like that, where I want it to always be like, you know, yeah, come up and, you know, have a beer and let's talk about you know, brewing and whatever the beer industry, right? Um, to answer your question directly, though, for the, are we opening new tap rooms? So we have Awatuki coming up. Heck yeah! Um, so that should be open in February, hopefully. Yeah, t- um, talk a little bit more about that, because uh, European beer hall style. You, you've talked a lot about you know your your trips to like Germany or whatever, yeah. and that that kind of influenced uh, this this new venture, right? Yeah. So I, I really think um, the way consumers are going and i know especially me as a consumer when you're deciding of where to go to spend your money you really want an experience right you want like an experience that's like a a deep experience of like a certain thing like you see undertow right awesome tiki bar and it's a thing because it's like the best tiki bar in the valley right you go to other states and you go to you know an oyster bar you go to fish market you go so the idea is you know awatuki is going to be our first you know, foray into concepts where uh, it's a Euro beer, beer hall, right? So we're going to have, we're importing like seven of these Luker side pour faucets that we're going to have traditional European lagers on that we make and that will import um, some like, you know, kind of carefully selected uh, favorites from abroad. And it'll be like a, a cool, like not upmarket, but, but I would say like modern casual uh, European beer bar. So um, the food will reflect that. We have a small kitchen in there. That's going to be a nice place to hang out and, and drink really good lagers. I love the. I'm, uh, uh, I'm very close to Awatuki, so <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited about I, that. I love That's the backstory awesome. of why you guys chose Awatuki because it. I mean, well, the 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 conditions weren't all the best because it was happened during COVID. You realize that you have this huge fan base or market in Awatuki, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And um, so, yeah, the 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 short story on that, the reason we chose Awatuki was. During COVID, we shut down, right? Um, we didn't lay off anybody. All of our bartenders became delivery drivers, basically, or order fulfillment. Um, so we started delivering all around the valley, like within 50-mile radius. Um, so literally far far out east, all the way to Verado, out west, you know, basically California. Um, and then <laughs> Awatuki a lot. And we, we had a scatter plot, basically, that we looked at after we reopened and said, man, Awatuki's crazy. Like we had so many repeat orders in this little zip code that's like nestled up against the mountain. Um, and you would never, I'm a, I'm a native Phoenician. I would never think Awatuki is like a beer hotspot, right? It would just, you think it's a bedroom community, mm-hmm. you know, old people live there, whatever. But in reality, when you look at the numbers, that's not true, right? There's a ton of young professionals. There's a ton of new families that are moving to Phoenix, um, a lot of high density housing, all kinds of stuff. And they're starving for concepts, right? Yeah. They're like, please bring us a beer bar down here. Um, so that all kind of factored in that reason. That's crazy. You know, I, I was telling my wife before we came here, like, 
you know, I was telling them about, you know, there's a third location because she wanted, she's like, why, why don't they open new locations? They're so popular. They're so big now. Why don't they come out in East Mesa where we're at? And we placed an order once, like right at the beginning of COVID. And uh, it was great because you had, had like the refrigerated truck. And, <laughs> you know, I had like, I think we had a keg and a couple crawlers and a glass and a sticker, whatever got yeah. delivered. It was, nice. it, it was great for us because um, we had the home kegerator. But apparently I was the only one and Awatuki just beat me to it. So maybe maybe I need to order more next time to get them to open up uh, Rent House in my neighborhood. Yeah, no, I mean, it, we definitely had orders from all over the valley. And it, it was actually sad when we stopped doing it because you were able to reach a whole new client base that doesn't get a drive down to Central Phoenix and pick up beers often, right? Um, so there was quite a few upset folks when we stopped doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think our our mantra and our own sort of business uh point of view is that we like to grow slow we we self-fund everything or we do it the conventional way with you know like a bank that we work with so we're not looking for investors all the time and you know new money to get big fast which is definitely an option right it's you can you can take on a whole bunch of money from somebody else make them a partner and yeah we can open three tap rooms next year right but we uh we like the way it is. We want to grow slow, grow organic, and um, I don't know, just just be true to ourselves. Right? That's nice. awesome. I do. I do think it's uh, <clears throat> what a way to like make lemonade, where you have to like shut down for COVID. You start delivering, and then you get to use the data from the delivery yeah. to then make a business decision to help you grow after after the shutdown ends. What yeah. what a what a brilliant way to. To, yeah, to, I mean, to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, it, for us, it was um, it was still even though the data showed it, it was still a leap of faith because we still had, you know, yeah. real estate agents and people telling us that we were crazy. Like, why would you do that? And then when you talk to people in Awatuki, you're like, hey, I've got this crazy idea. They're like, yes, please like, yeah. do it now. <laughs> um, you're like, OK, so I guess we will do it. I will sign a 20 year lease. You know? And all they really have right now and or in or around Awatuki is Huss's original little tap room. It's like right across the freeway. Yeah, right. Tempe and then area, Wicked, right. I think, is in Awatuki. Right. And that's it, right? Because Wicked yeah. took over a Uncle Bear's location. That and closed. Uncle Bear's, yeah. So there's, yeah, so there's them, and then there's, you know, there's um, a whining pig out there. Yeah. yeah. There's um, like a buzz goat. There, there, I mean, there's a lot of cool, like, little local places, but it's definitely, um, you know, there's definitely opportunity to... Yeah. You know, do something bigger. And so That's you're awesome. moving into the old what Los Dos Molinos location? Is yeah, that so it's 40th Street in Chandler, yeah. um, which is cool now because um, well, it's always been cool, but it's extra cool now because they have the new uh, loop. Is it 302? Oh, 202, yeah. It's going around the south. Yep. So there's a new exit on 40th. So you can literally take Chandler Boulevard exit or 40th, and it's like equidistance in the corner. And we're next door to Pomegranate Cafe, Trader Joe's, Safeway. And we always get dinged on our parking here because, you know, it's just what we have. We have, what, 20 spots. Um, in Awatuki, we have like 400. So That's <laughs> I don't amazing. think we have problems with parking. So. Well, you'll see me there for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> That's, That's exciting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, now you know what he looks like, so you can say hi to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the other thing we want to talk about, the um, so you guys won gold medal for beer packaging, Fest Beer Can. Um, Johan loved the Fest Beer Can. Yeah couple other folks that uh that we worked with for that award also loved it a lot um what does that mean to you to kind of have that because I, I would imagine a lot of thought and um real intentional 
things kind of go into creating a de and designing your can art, your yeah. can labels. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, we're we're blessed with um, Lauren Preston's wife, uh, who does all of our branding. So, um, you know, in the in the first year or so, we experimented with using a couple different label designers, um, and you might actually be able to. They kind of they're very noticeable if you find them on the label wall. But yeah, we got um, this great label wall in this room we're sitting in. And is this every label you've ever made? Well, it's a lot of them. I mean, we, there's a few layers, uh, so we stick them up here every time we design one. But um, so yeah, Lauren and I have sort of like a, a mind meld where I'll, I'll send her some random idea, like for our Hellas can as an example. Um, so the Hellas has this really nice like green tile design around it, and it's like a gold just script Hellas. And the backstory of that is there's actually these um, room or space heaters in in Germany. Um, in Bavaria in particular that are made out of this green tile and they're like coal fired and they sit in the middle of a tap room. Um, mm. So I just sent her a picture of that. I'm like, hey, I, I want this design on a label. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and she sends me that. I'm like, it's perfect. Like, let's roll with it. Oh, so. that, that's a good, but I've always liked about your guys' can art, like at least, you know, looking at some of the posters here and some of these too, is that like a lot of it is so simple, mm -hmm. like, and like to the point, you know, like, like looking at this poster right behind you, I'm sure the camera can see the the Phoenix lights. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's almost like a minimalistic sort of design. That the beeline one over there also, and like um, this black is beautiful. I remember that beer. That, that's an incredible beer. Like mm -hmm. just like it's very simple. And, and you're like, celebrating Arizona and yeah, a lot of it too. It's yeah, it's, it's a really cool. It's a really cool uh, kind of theme that you guys have going on. It's like nothing too crazy, but yeah. like it needs to be striking. It needs to be clean. It needs to be readable. Um, it needs to be eye catching. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. I think, you know, going back to like Portland or some of the other big, bigger beer towns that um, grew up faster than Phoenix and were kind of more mature, you walk into the, the aisle of a beer store at, um, you know, a, a Whole Foods in Portland or something. And it's, it, I mean, it almost gives you a headache looking at the beer wall. There's just so many things and it's, you can't even discern who makes what. Yep. So we wanted to, you know, keep a, a standard aesthetic that you would, I'd see and I know, oh, that's a Renhouse can. For sure. But also make it um, readable, right? So it's like, what is that? You can actually see, okay, it's, you know, a, a fruited sour or it's a double dry hopped IPA or something like that. Now I've heard some people uh, that don't like that there's not ABV on the labels. Is that something you guys are like aware of or? Yeah, you... oh, we're, we're definitely aware. Okay. We, we, talk, <laughs> we talk about it all the time. What's for, the, for what's years. the story behind that? Um, so, so the, the short answer is that you're not required to do it okay. by Arizona law, so we haven't. Um, the long <laughs> answer is that, um, again, going back to, uh, you know, we're just generally conservative uh, the way we operate and that Preston doesn't want to take guesses with ABV because I think his worst nightmare is for, you know, the TTV to like test it and say, oh, your alcohol is a percent off. Yeah. And, you know, you're going out of business. Um, so we, we recently invested in some equipment that we now have a scientific measurement of the alcohol percentage. Gotcha. Um, and I should give a shout out Four Peaks for a long time. Let us use their equipment uh, at their facility um, down in Tempe to test some of our higher ABV stouts that we would bring a king snake down. And we're like, hey, we have no idea what alcohol percentage this is. We think we have an idea. And they would test it and tell us. Um, so it's more of an investment thing that we just 
how to get the money. They were like the AutoZone of beers. Like you bring your your battery down and test it at AutoZone. At Four Peaks, you bring your beer down and test it, right? <laughs> it's awesome. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. They also check so, can seams and stuff. Speaking of King Snake, <laughs> you said maybe we could try Yeah, it. for sure. Yeah, do you guys want to yeah. do, do we want to do that? Well, if you want to end the episode early, we can. Uh, but no, I was going to uh, say I, we should taste it on, on camera. I did, I did want to um, ask... A, about the going back to packaging and international, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the New Zealand brewery called Urbanot, but they combine it's the craziest thing. Talking about beer packaging now, they combine two different styles of beers, say like an hazy IPA and a stout, into two like eight ounce cans and they wrap it and they put like a little terrible strip in oh, between nice. and they encourage the, the user to taste both beers and then mix them together huh. does that seem like it would I mean, be good I, I like at all the idea or? of the two cans in one package i think right that's right cool. it's, it reminds me of those like little wine cups or those little, little wine yeah. bombers, but but like mixing them together they're like it's a whole new I taste i don't know but, about that it's yeah. almost like a 7-eleven suicide slushy yeah or something. Are, I was, there, I was there are definitely there... beers that go well right Is there, are there ren house beers that might mix well yeah, I mean, we've done, I mean, like the traditional um, black and tan, right? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've done that with our Bridget Irish Stout and um, just like a, a, you can do it with like, you know, traditional was like a Smittix or you can use like any sort of lager. You can do Valley beer and float a Bridget on top. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we like doing those within reason. You know, I think it gets kind of crazy when you're like yeah. mixing sours with... I don't know. Yeah, yeah they were like the best, they were like the best sours mix and sours. I've ever had was uh are you familiar with Nordic jam? No. It's like I forget oh, who like brews Lincoln it. Berry or something? Yeah. It's like a it's a I forget who brews it, but it's yeah, it's basically like a lingonberry, raspberry, like okay. fruit wheat, I yeah. think it is. And then uh, uh Belching Beavers peanut butter milk stout. Okay. I mix those and it's like a peanut yeah. butter and jelly sandwich and it's really, really good. But yeah. I, I I don't know that I would mix like a it's, IPA with a sour or I, well, I, that combination's yeah, not bad, I mean, but like an IPA I, with like a weird yeah, like a I mean, I, sweet I don't want I don't want to tell stuff. people how to drink their beer, but um sometimes I get my news sources from Instagram reels. That's how <laughs> that's how that one came up. So yeah, I'm like so questionable. Let me ask Drew about that. <laughs> I love it. So, um, Drew Poole here at Ren House, and we thank you for your time. Is there anything else that we should be? Well, I guess the the one last thing I want to end on is Ren Day is coming up still, right? You guys still do yes. that day after Christmas? Day after Christmas, yeah, we like to do holidays after the holiday. Um, so yeah, Ren Day is our big um, one of our biggest celebrations. I would say Halloween's like our number one, and then obviously anniversary in the summer, but. Um, yeah, Rinde, we we do Christmas themed stuff uh, the day after Christmas because it seems like you know New Christmas Eve and Christmas Day are crazy family time, and then the day after Christmas, everybody's like, "All right, what are we gonna go yeah. do?" Um, drinking some fun flavored stouts is is a good option. Um, Love it. So you know we got all the Christmas decorations, Christmas music on. We do casks of various things like candy cane stouts, stuff like that. Um, so it's a good good time to just come hang out, sit on the patio. Um, totally. Enjoy your family time. Yeah, right. so if anyone hasn't made plans for day after Thanksgiving or day after Christmas, yes. Ren House has both of them covered. Yes. Love it. Well, Love we, it. Have our, we have our uh, pecan pie thief, speaking of wheat wines. We do a collab with Little Miss every year um, where we smoke some pecans. And we put them into our wheat wine base um, and make a pecan pie 
wheat wine. That sounds um, delightful. So that comes out right around Thanksgiving. I like that. Beautiful. I think that might be your most important collab partner is Little Miss Barbecue because they're, they're awesome. yeah they're they're awesome. They were in Speak. the parking lot during your anniversary. And they barrel aged some barbecue sauce. Man, but barbecue Ooh. and yeah, like good. that beer right there, that Phoenix Lights. That was, that was a good afternoon, Yawn. Speaking of uh, collabs, if you're interested, uh, we already have collabs lined up with uh phoenix beer co with ranch hand and i believe with huss as well so if you're interested in doing a phoenix mag uh I'm beer sure collab, they, they won um, i'm sure craig would jump all over it we could have him they won reader's choice one. for best triple ipa okay in our recent best of the valley so i kind of wrote it floated out the idea of maybe we come up with best boy wally i don't know if that's been made yet but <laughs> that could be the next uh wally over the summer to that's celebrate the best of the valley win right. i love it and you got the timely jingle, so there you go. Good, good, good idea. <laughs> All right, Drew. Thanks so much for being on the thanks, Phoenix man, Magazine Beer Review Podcast. Um, my Las Frescas was dynamite. Their condo. Terrific. Yeah, I I would drink this over and over all day. It's it's a uh, it's a sour that uh, doesn't get you know too tart or too sweet. It's like right right in the sweet zone there. Perfect. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Thanks, Drew.